Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intercasa. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com. They're a brick-and-mortar game store that also exists online. They have any edition of any game, even out-of-print products. With Noble Knight, you can sell back your old gaming products you aren't using anymore. Let's hear a quick word from them. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even Saturday, Noble Knight is a brick-and-mortar game store. Support small businesses that also exists online. Open 24-7 on the web. They have D&D and other cool RPGs. Any edition, any game. Even out-of-print products. And at a discounted price. That's out of control. Have a bunch of old game products collecting dust? Dangerous allergens. Noble Knight will buy the old stuff you aren't using anymore. Looking at you, Indiana Jones RPG. So go to noblenight.com and get by it and sell it. Take back your life and tell them the Tone Show sent you. Today, we're talking about a new D&D dice building game from WizKids and the first 5th edition D&D feedback survey. Let's meet the very special panel and kick things off with our get to know you question. What's the difference between the wisdom perception skill and the intelligence investigation skill? Let's start with you, Topher Cohen. I believe in my heart of hearts and with my research on the internet that the difference between the wisdom perception and the uh, intelligence investigation is um, with wisdom perception, you can see the danger, you can see the situation around you. And with the intelligence investigation, you can figure out what to do with that information once you have been given it. So here's my question about this then. In that interpretation, is wisdom perception only used passively or can it also be used actively? I think it would be used actively if the player actively is is, is perceiving his environment. If he says to me, I'm kind of keeping a, a heightened sense of what's going on because I have a feeling something bad may happen. Liz Tice, what do you think? So I have a, a DM that is absolutely fantastic when it comes to, uh, I guess, making the distinction between perception and investigation. So I'm going to call him out right now. So perception for me is just the character's general awareness of the situation. So whether they're hearing at a door, looking for an ambush, looking for maybe a trail through the woods, whereas investigation is taking the time to look for clues to learn more about their current situation. So maybe they find they find a trail, but then they start looking at the trail closer. Can they tell what which way the the people or the monsters were headed? Can they tell if they were dragging someone behind them? That is my understanding of the difference between the two. Perhaps a person who is oblivious but a great detective would have low perception but high investigation. Exactly. Gotcha. They're able to sort of piece together clues from the from their surroundings. Excellent. And our final panelist, Wade Kemper, welcome back. What do you think is the difference between wisdom perception and intelligence investigation? Uh, I'm going to, I think, echo what everybody said so far. To me, it seems like it's 
it, it's like a time frame. So within the first five seconds of any given situation, I think perception is probably your better bet. Like, you know, you walk into a room and, you know, if you want to, if you think you're going to smell the poison gas, um, that's passive perception because then you can roll behind the screen. But if a character walks in and says, I'm going to sniff around to see if there's any gas, maybe they have a suspicion that, that the room would be gas. That's to me perception. If they go to that same room a couple minutes later and say, I'm searching for a key. And if they're even more specific, I'm searching for a key inside the wizard's desk. You know, that becomes procedural, takes a little longer. So to me, that's more um, investigation because if it's tied to intelligence, that's not as gut reaction y as like the perception stuff. Since investigation has replaced both search and gather information, right? Wasn't that, Mm -hmm. or rumors or whatever? It, to me, it's always said more about deciding to pursue information as opposed to getting information. At my, my at my table, when I DM, I say perception probably ten times as much as investigation. But my players enjoy oh, investigating far more because they have more onus on how it unfolds. So that that to me is a big difference. Okay, people, our first topic for this week: D and D Dice Masters Battle for Faerun. WizKids is putting this out as part of their Dice Masters line. They already have a Marvel Dice Masters, uh, which is a collectible dice building game. You can buy a starter pack, comes with a bunch of dice and a bunch of cards. The dice correspond to cards, and you build a deck and a bag of dice that sort of go together. Uh, I've never played one of these games, but Topher, you know, I know that you have played this game before. It looks like there are some really cool characters involved. We got you know, a Mind Flare and a Half Dragon and a Tarrasque when you go to the WizKids Battle for Faerun webpage. One of the cool things that I know makes this game really popular too is that booster packs, which you get two cards and two dice in, are only 99 cents. Topher, go ahead. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what this game is, how the other Dice Masters games have run, and if you are excited to see this come out. So the game is loosely based on Couriers. If you've ever played Couriers, then you kind of know the basics of the of the of the theory. It's it's a like an extension of the deck builder games where you have a common deck and you pull out of that deck and that's what you need to play that hand. It's that way, but using dice and dice and cards. And you're right. So this is there's been two versions of this out in the Marvel universe. One was Avengers versus X Men, and the other one was just X Men. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one was there's a Yu Gi Oh one that just came out. Uh, again, another property that WizKids owns and uses quite a bit. And then the third will be the, the D&D one. And then after that, there'll be a DC Comics one, which um, will take place around the Trinity War, I believe. Um, Storyline they're going to do, which is tied into their Heroclix line. Uh, the game is a ton of fun. Um, I played the, the, both versions. The, it was a huge success. It was such a huge success that they couldn't keep the starters for the Avengers vs. X-Men on the shelf. Wow. Like, they were selling out everywhere. Um and you're right, the price point's great. It's like 20 bucks for a starter and then 99 cents for a, for a booster pack, which comes with randomly two dice and two cards to go with those dice. Um, there's the, there's a starter, there's a advanced starter box, which has a great little tray to store your dice in. And, you know, it's a really kind of nice way to carry dice around. Comes with like an upgraded bag. Also, the original, the starter comes with these like, um, paper, like heavy duty paper bags. It comes with updated bags that use. Game Star I'm at is I'm just starting to do organized play for it. Um, we're doing it mostly with the Marvels because there's a big 
group of players who play encounters with us who are interested in the D&D version of it. So um, hopefully that's going to build the excitement in that. Uh, we know that WizKids has pushed the date a couple times. Uh, as we were just talking about, we think they're going to release the D&D starter in the Gravity Feed box on the 25th of this month. But as with all WizKids things, we don't really know that for sure. So to answer your question, I'm super excited. I really want to play this game. It's set in the world I love. But yeah, I'm super excited about this game. And I'm super excited to get my hands on it finally and see because with, with between their their Star Trek attack wing and their D and D attack wing, they made a lot of tweaks to the rules that were that, that the community wanted. So I'm excited to see if they make those tweaks again. It's funny. This was not super interesting to me, but now after hearing how excited you are, Topher, I I definitely want to check it out now. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, if, uh, Topher's on board. He's got great taste. This uh this sounds really cool. James, the other upside to this, James, it's a fast game too. You can carry it around like in your bag, and if you and if your D and D game gets done fast, you can pull this stuff out and play a game in less than thirty minutes if you want. Wade, you know, you were talking a little bit about uh, WizKids and their sort of frustrating release schedule before, uh, but it sounds like you already actually have uh, some of the Dice Master stuff. So, what do you think of all this? Yeah, I. Uh had originally bought into the Couriers game um, that Topher was talking about. And like a lot of people, I found it really dull. It had a it had a very strange system in which you would buy these dice, sort of like a, a deck builder, but your creatures, they attacked everybody automatically. So unlike Magic or the Dice Masters game they have now, you couldn't choose to attack or defend. Um, you just tried to wear out your opponents and... <laughs> You couldn't stop it. It was just this thing that cyclically kind of came around. And I think the idea was to make it fast so it was more deadly. It just wound up being really dull and boring. So I got rid of Couriers, and I heard about this. And I'm not a big comic book guy. you know. I'll, I like the movies here and there, but I, I can't really keep up with it. But that being said, and this sort of tell you how excited I am, I went and bought the X-Men set anyway, not because I really wanted to play it, but I was so excited to play the D&D version so I didn't want to have to sit around and learn the rules of the new one. I just wanted to, you know, get it under my belt and see if it was for me. And I have to say, after a few plays of the, the X-Men version, it's really good. And, and I'm just going to say everything that Topher said. It plays fast. These dice, unless you've actually held them, you don't really get a sense of how neat they are because all the icons you're seeing are actually ingrained into the dice face. So when you see a lightning bolt on it, it's not printed. I mean, there's some, there's some depth to it. And some of the dice are translucent, um, and they're just really gorgeous, especially if you have them like thrown in a box and you need to sift through them and stuff. So it's, it's a pleasure to play. If you've played Magic the Gathering at this point, you pretty much have an idea of, of the flow. It, it, are all these systems pretty much compatible? Because if I can get Wolverine busting up on a Tarrasque or, or Batman against a Shardalon, that would be really neat. <laughs> so they've announced that, yes, all the systems are compatible oh, yeah. for... For play now, I think they're going to do like they do with Attack Wing or like to do with Heroclix. So mm. the Yu-Gi-Oh Heroclix can play with the DC and the Marvel Heroclix just fine, but for tournament play, they don't allow that. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, and so you, you can have a dragon attack the Enterprise if you want to an Attack Wing, but yeah. for tournament play, they won't allow it. <laughs> that yeah, the the ninety nine cent the booster packs is a a brilliant stroke on WizKids' part because you're going to get people spending eight, nine, ten dollars at a clip when normally they might have only spent five because eh, it's just a buck and you're going to get kids who, you know, they would have spent their money on, you know, licorice and uh, whatever kids buy. Um, <laughs> but now, <laughs> now they can get dice and cards. And, and the other thing about it is 
there's rarity of these cards, but in no way do you need rare cards to be successful. In fact, a lot of times they're not really better than other cards, they're just different. So it, it makes it a different play style. You know how the, the old saying in like games like Magic and stuff, you can basically buy your way to success? I don't, from what I've heard, at least in the early uh, versions of Dice Masters, it's not like that at all. I mean, the collectors, you know, you want to get the cool cards, but they're not, they're not power sync heavy cards. I don't know, Topher, again, you might know the state of the game better than I do. Um, and at least in this in, in iteration, you're 100% right, Wade. That, and that's great. Yeah, it's fantastic um, in my mind. The big difference in this one that I'm very excited about is it's going to have equipable items, which is so D&D to me that you can give your paladin a plus one sword to play with. And then that can get probably stolen or knocked away and stuff like that. So sounds like it's it's quite a bit different from Quarriers. So for those of you who have actually played uh, Dice Masters, can is what you're saying, Wade, that you can actually choose which monsters to attack? So it's not all of them like Quarriers was. Yep, and you can hang back, and if you have defenders that uh, are gonna oh. you know, be able to absorb it. Have you played Magic? Yeah. The Gathering. Yeah. Think that. Think that. That's awesome. Except. Yup, the cards are dice, so there's variable uh, conditions when they come out. So it's really a great blend of couriers and magic, which should have happened from the beginning. But see, I like that because that was actually going to be my my concern because I have played couriers and I didn't really like how that played out. Similar to what you said, Wade, I just mm -hmm. felt like I didn't have many opportunities for strategy mm -hmm. because if I had a monster and I attacked, it attacked everything, and it. It was just too much based on the roll of the dice, right? right. Um, and I now you all have sold me on it. <laughs> um, so I think I'm going to have to at least pick up some, some of it when it comes out and give it a try. One thing that um, I would have said, even if I hadn't learned all of this wonderful new information, is that even if it was very luck-based like Quarriers, that was a great beginner game, right? To play with my younger sisters or pay, play with someone that, you know, isn't really big into board games or card games or dice games. And anything that I have that can bring people into the D&D brand, I am totally game. So maybe if they mm -hmm. like the um, Dice Masters game, I can go, yeah, this is the D&D world. Uh, let me talk to you about this awesome role-playing game. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully drag people in that way. Whenever, you know, a D&D &D product comes out that is not the role-playing game, I sort of wait with bated breath because I know it can have an yeah. impact on that. Like whenever a D&D &D movie comes out, for instance, <laughs> it's kind of like, oh <laughs> no, this, we just lost another 50,000 people who could potentially play this game. I, I, think, I think you're suggesting that 50,000 people saw the D&D &D movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, but 50,000 people probably read a review or, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. That's um, mm -hmm. So, and, and that's the thing. I really want awesome products to come out. I'm still waiting for someone to make the awesome D&D &D movie. And it sounds like this is a great representation of that, that, that people can play. I'm really, like, I really want to go buy the Marvel version right now and, and play it now. <laughs> I'll tell you why this really makes me excited is because if this is successful, I want a D&D &D, um, deck builder game. There's no true D&D &D card game out there anywhere. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that if this game sells well and does well for WizKids, that's the logical next step in the D&D &D tabletop games that are not, you know, 
a role-playing game. So we saw the first feedback survey come out. It's all about classes and feats. Uh, If you have not taken it yet, you should head over to wizards.com slash dnd or dnd.wizards.com, whichever you prefer, and you should definitely go uh, take this survey and participate. You know, there was a lot of Likert scale kind of things, rating things on a, on a one to five scale of how satisfied you were with various class features, and then they had different classes like which one is more powerful, the sorcerer or the wizard? And you had to pick one. Um, you know, and there was no sort of, I think they're equally powerful thing. But there actually wasn't a lot of section for, like, a lot of places where you could type in your own comments. You know, they had one large section at the end, but that was kind of it. So you could say you were dissatisfied, but it was kind of hard to say why you were dissatisfied. You know, I thought some of the the questions seemed to be like, okay, it seems like they know people are a little wary about the moon druid. People are a little wary about the beastmaster ranger. You know, some people I've seen complaints about the paladin being too weak and that sort of thing. So, So it was cool to see that it looks like they're already tuning into some of the feedback that the community has. But I want to hear what you guys think. What did you think overall? Liz, let's start with you. What were you happy to see in here? And what did you feel was missing from this survey? So I, I'm coming from a unique perspective of having just ran a survey, um, not exactly like this, but with similar similar uh, traits and, and similar focuses. And I can I was not surprised with their approach. And I know that there are a number of people that had similar concerns or even frustrations around um, not being able to give more of the why for some of their answers. But to me, I looked at it and thought, yep, that makes sense. Um, the, The way I viewed it after going through the survey was that this is a first step. It seems like Wizards was trying to get the broad picture first before diving into detailed questions with users. Having ratings gives more data, better data, more useful data uh, than just getting walls of text from users, Um, especially if they can do a second survey and get some of that deeper dive um, information in the form of ratings or rankings or what have you. So it seemed to me that they were trying to figure out where they wanted to focus their hopefully second survey. Um, And then once they know where they're headed, they're going to start doing some of the deeper dives. Of course, this is all just conjecture, but that's how I viewed things. Well, and I think that's sort of consistent with a lot of what they've said about 5th edition. They want to take their time, they want to get it right, so I could definitely see, you know, even the way this the introduction here was worded, it sounded like there's more surveys coming just about the core rulebooks. You know, when you put it that way, it does make sense to me that they want to sort of quantify all of the data first, and then look at it and say, oh, okay, so these are the real problem areas. I mean, I'm still, we only had 2,000 people take our survey. Uh, I think so. No, maybe even 1,000. I don't remember. Anyway, but all of the actual text feedback, we're still reading through it. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you try to remember all of the feedback people gave you, but there's only so much information you can hold in your head. 
having quantitative data is more useful to make uh, decisions sometimes. And and all of the, the text feedback, right, just sort of becomes more of a, a guide or or something to keep in mind in the back uh, as you're making decisions. But it's it's hard to move forward with just just comments like that. Topher, you know, uh, you do a lot of different online marketing management and that sort of thing for your day job. Uh, what did you think about this survey? What were you happy to see? Did you think anything was missing? Um, would you have done it differently if you were Wizards? Let me first off say that as hard as I am on Wizards, I'm epically excited to see that they actually followed through with what they were saying they were going to do and <laughs> gave us a survey. So two thumbs up, Wizards of the Coast. Thank you very much. Uh, I agree with Liz in the fact that a wall of text is not as, as useful at this stage as a one is sucky, five is great kind of rankings. My complaint was I never felt like I got to answer as a DM. It felt like they were looking for players' point of view, yeah. which I think is great, and I think they need that. But I would like to have seen a survey. I'd like to see the very first question of the survey saying, do you play more or do you DM more? And then let that fork into a different survey that allows me as the DM to go, yeah, you know what? Here's my problems with the, with the Moon Druid. Not because I'm sure it's not u- uber fun to play, but because as a DM, I can't balance an encounter or X, Y, and Z, mm. right? I would have liked to see that. Yeah. Hopefully, there'll be a follow-up that is specifically for DMs. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, Wizard listens because we all know they listen to the roundtable, right? Um, <laughs> well, we'll hear us. And, <laughs> they better. Know, you guys will, right, exactly. I mean, if they're idiots, if they don't. Um, <laughs> and they should put out a um, one that's specifically geared towards DMs because I think that's that's another side of the, of the of the hobby that they really want that feedback. And that, that would be my... My big recommendation to them. I think that I think that the fact they did it, I think it was the right length. I really do think that that you know the the way they scaled it down to what you knew was really good. I think they did a great job. I agree. I wish I would have had more time at the end of each section to go. Here's why I had an issue or didn't have an issue. But my big complaint is I'd love to see a DM version of it. Yeah, yeah, and it is interesting. They did ask at the beginning, "Are you a player? Are you a DM?" So I do think they'll be able to sort of break down. Oh, you know, DMs are not happy with this class or this feat, but it seems like players are very happy with it. What does that mean? But but yeah, I, I bet you will see, since this was just for classes and feats, I bet, like Liz said, you know, if we see something more laser-focused, I bet we'll also see a more general GM feedback survey. And I also wonder if we're going to see something like, a, you know, like, are we going to see people's opinions about races and that sort of thing or overall are they just trying to see what people are complaining about and and handing stuff off about wade what what about you what were you happy to see and and what did you feel was lacking from the survey i felt the survey itself was was lacking and it's kind of what what liz said was that there's no wall of text and and i get that they're they're doing something early to to kind of get a sense of I mean, they might just want to know how many people respond to a survey, you know, because then they'll know if, you know, how many people are interested enough to respond to a survey. And I guess if they put out their first survey as being too in-depth, they might shoot themselves in the foot later. Because I I went to it just now. I I tried to pull it up and I couldn't find the link anymore. So what maybe they're thinking is if we put too much stuff in that first one and a lot of people miss it, maybe it'd be a pain to ask it again. So maybe they wanted to just kind of start the process and say, hey, guys, we're doing these surveys. Don't expect much. One thing that that I kind of did to cheat out the whole DM versus player thing, and this is just my situation. So in my group of five, uh, four of us DM, and we've had this strange 
um, situation lately where none of us have been able to DM more than two consecutive sessions just from like family obligations and, and surprises. But what's cool about that is there are so many races and class combinations, even in the six months since we've had the player's handbook, that I've either DM'd or played as because we're constantly making new characters and just kind of goofing around. So even if I haven't played it, I've, I've tried to be very aware of, you know, encounter building, you know, with the druid and the paladin as being powerful and, and not powerful enough. So I tried to give them as much as I could in the limited amount of you know, space I had to tell them what I thought in general about these classes, you know, and I didn't have to identify if I was from a DM or a player perspective. Um, so I thought that was at least my way of approaching it. What I didn't like, and this is just me, I didn't like seeing which do you think is more powerful? Because to me, mechanical power doesn't matter. <laughs> that being said, they don't really have any any influence over how I role play. So the only thing that they can do is tweak based on mechanics, right? Mm -hmm. So I get that they're doing that. One thing that I found, though, is this was a really cool chance for me to sort of step back and say, all right, it's been six months. How does 5e strike me so far, right? And it was sort of like a reflective, kind of like forced reflection. And I got to tell you, I love all of it. I mean, I really like 5th edition, and it was great. I think one reason I was kind of upset to not see the comments uh, was that that's how specific I needed to get about the things that were not. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like one class so outshines the others or that there's one that's so stinky, you know, it's a problem. I feel like uh, this specific mechanic here I would tweak a little bit, which is pretty, you know, that's high praise for a role-playing game. I love them. Beastmaster Ranger, you know, I want to be a ranger that that has a beast following him, whether or not it's the weakest class. Like, I think that's a cool character concept, which which I think is great, you know. And and as a DM, I've noticed a few things here and there. the The polearm master feat, for instance, is one that it's like, oh, this might be too good of a feat. It's yeah. kind of breaking my game, but that's great. It's great that we have to get that granular. One one thing I did say in the comment section, uh, I have been pretty disappointed with the amount of feats in the game. I know they're all big and they include a lot of stuff, but it seems like so many of them are dedicated to adding, you know, armor proficiency. Like there's five of them that have to do with armor and there's only what, 20 in the whole, in the whole thing. Um, I found that there's a lot of wizard ones, but there's not a lot. So I've had fun with like the actor feat, which seems kind of stupid, but it's really fun to play with. So I told them, please more feats. I feel like that's very, underdeveloped in the in the I don't know how you guys feel about feats right now but I just wanted to see I wanted to see about half again as many as they have you know I think again it's it's part of them being careful and they don't want to oversaturate with feats like they did for for mm. fourth and for third you know they probably want to be very careful about what they do so I, I guess you'll see a slow rollout but I bet you're going to see some some more feats coming you know probably in that elemental evil pdf that that's supposedly mm. coming our way sometime in March or April for for feats for me I I'm nervous about them adding too many, right? <laughs> With the same concerns that you uh, talked about, James. I, there's some, some systems where it's just like, I have so many options. I don't know where to choose. Uh, I, I think, honestly, if I got more feats, it would be more from a sort of want to, you know, catch them all, want to see what else they come up with. <laughs> not, not that I feel like I need them. So, I mean, I, I've, playing a wizards right now i played a barbarian and with all of them i was able to find a feat 
that I wanted if I even chose a feat. Sometimes I didn't and just did the the character attribute. But I I feel fine with the uh, number of feats so far. What would you guys like to see Watsi do with this feedback? Are you guys hoping that they're going to come out with errata? Are you hoping that they come out with just some optional rules modules people can use at the table? You know, and, and how do you think it's going to affect things like organized play in the Adventurers League if they do decide to throw in some optional rules? Will those become mandatory for the AL? Uh, it probably all depends on a case-by-case basis. But what do you think is the, the best option for handling this? And Topher, let's start with you as somebody who participates in organized play. So I'd like to see the results, right? Uh, whether that's in some really slick inco- uh, infographic that tells us how many people play rangers and how many people play bards and that kind of thing. Um, that'd be really rock star. I'd like to hear that. I'd like to hear them give some feedback. Or like, hey, we heard you guys, and we know these are a couple pain points that we we hear from you guys. And we hear you love these things, and these are a couple pain points, and we're going to work on those. And, and then I would like to see some errata, obviously. And then I would like to see some tweaks. I don't know if I want additional rules because then it gets into the problem of I got a new player who just shows up and they've went on and they went and they built a a character using the basic rule set and maybe they haven't updated that yet or they only own the player handbook and they created that character to come and play Adventures League and now the guy sitting next to him he's like well how does he get to do that all these, these extra rules and everything I think that it's a, a kind of a situation where I want them to make the changes in the next iteration. So update those changes in uh, Elemental Evil um, PDF or update uh, quickly update the basic rules. That's kind of my theory. Uh, I Obviously, I want the rules to be better and I want them to be tweaked and they need to be tweaked. It's, it's, a, it's a living game. And, you know, because people play it, no matter how many people they had in the play test, there's never going to be the amount of people who are playing it actively. So they're going to find problems. Mm-hmm. And I want them to fix those things. I just don't want them to cause too much havoc at my you know, weekly Adventures League game. And you would prefer that those were fixed with errata rather than with some optional rules modules. Correct. I think you you introduce the optional rules as setting rules within the, the PDFs for, you know, the Elmo El- El- Evil or for a new location like an Eberron or a or for a Greyhawk or Wizard, get off your butt and give me Dragonlance kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, they, it's only been out for a few months now. They, they, I'm sure they're working on a, a Dragonlance PDF. <laughs> I want Dragonlance. <laughs> uh, what about you, Wade? What, how would you like to see Wizards handle this feedback? How would you like to see them implement any changes that they're going to make? Played um, fourth for all of the eight years that it was out. The, uh, the word errata scares me. And and it and it does because I don't do adventures league. I don't do organized play, but I'm teaching the game all the time. And I also DM a bunch of lazy players. And my players always rely on me to keep them up to date. And it's my problem because I like doing it in some way. But then you feel like you have to not only assimilate the information but get it to the right people. You know all that other stuff. At the end of fourth, people were carrying around giant binders of errata printouts. Mm-hmm. And I know fourth is a, is a heavily mechanical system and this one isn't. So I'm with Topher. If you want to give it to me, make it a free download at a scheduled interval, maybe once every three months, even if the stuff's brand new, like let's say tomorrow they discover that sneak is broken. Don't give that to me until your planned errata release in May, right? And then give me maybe three months to digest it and tweak it and stuff because I want to know it's coming. I want to prepare for it. I want to make adjustments as needed, not, oh, here's another errata. And 
fourth just seemed like there was so much to catch up on. Fifth is very, very well designed, and a lot of the inherent design allows for those tweaks to be made with minimal intrusion. But anything that replaces something that's already in, not just adds a new option, should be eroded and nothing beyond it. I don't want another print book. I don't even want it jammed into like Elemental Eve or anything. I just want it nice and neat by itself in an errata. Um, I don't want to ignore it because obviously somebody has taken enough care to see that these problems need to be fixed, but I want to be able to digest it at certain times fully. I think that the key here, and I think what, what Wade and I are both saying is we're all about them fixing things that are broken and they're all about, uh, we're all about them adding new things in as they go. What, what I would like to make sure is that there's a set gold standard of if you're going to play Adventures League, this is what it is. Whether it's the player handbook, whether it's the basic rules, pick one and that's it. And don't go, well, and there's these also other things that you can also use if you want to. No, this is what you use for Adventures League. If it's in this, you can use it. If it's not, you cannot. You can use everything else for your home game. Yeah, and I think the Adventurers League, the guys who who organize all that and everything, have been uh, very good about that so far, and I, I'm sure that will probably continue. Uh, Liz, what do you think about all this? How would you like to see Wizards implement any changes that they are going to make because of the feedback from these surveys? So first I want to touch on something that um, Topher said with um, wanting the results. I I'm not expecting specifics from Wizards just because I don't know if that's information they'd necessarily want to share. Um, that could be useful information for Paizo or some of their other competitors. So I don't know if they'd necessarily give, you know, the down to the minute detail results, but I could potentially see them releasing broader results such as, you know, in general, this is the number of people that responded and, um, you know, this is, these are the top three or, uh, top five classes that they felt were like overpowered or something. Um, but, uh, in terms of what I'd like to see, so I'd like to see them doing that follow-up survey that I feel like they are probably going to do, but I definitely want to see them actually do it. <laughs> um, and I'd like to see, you know, their, their, the initial, their initial, I guess, um, review of what the responses were and why they're doing the second survey. If they're focusing on a specific class or or um, certain maybe certain classes, why is that? You know, what what led them to to make that decision? So I'm hoping that they'll they'll be transparent with any any um, reasons for their second survey and and um, continue with that that feedback and that communication with their player base. In terms of um, errata versus some other um, distribution, I I honestly all know so much more about um, the errata from 4th edition. Um, uh, as I've, I've, I think I've mentioned uh, in other places, I was not a 4th edition player, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I was just sort of Googling and it turns out that there was, you know, 3.5 errata and stuff like that. And I was not nearly as in tense a player as I am now and in touch with the gaming community. So I had no idea that there was errata. So I think if it's um, information that they think is really important for, for all D&D players, I guess what's most important to me is them figuring out a way to get that communicated to as many of their, their users and their players as possible, right? Mm -hmm. um, because if they have this awesome... 
um, these awesome changes to the game that they think everyone should be using, everyone needs to know about it first. So I'm not sure the answer to that, but I'm sure that's something that they'll be talking about over in Seattle at the Wizards headquarters. You do need some way to get the word out about Errata and about these surveys and stuff other than just posting them up on your website and and tweeting them out. Um, And one great way to do that would be to have some form of digital product people are using and then you could message people through that digital product about updates and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, you know, I I know we joked before, but Wizards, if you are listening, just an idea. You can have it for free. You can have that one. Totally for free. Uh, All right, guys. I think that is going to do it for us this week here on the roundtable. Where can people find you, Topher Cohen? Uh, People can find me on the Twitters at at Topher ATL. Also on the Google Pluses at at Topher ATL. Um, You can find me every Wednesday and the first Sunday of every month at Titan Games and Comics in Smyrna, Georgia, where I help them out and I organize their um, Adventures League organized play. So come find us on Meetup, come play some D&D with us. And if you do, come by and say hi. Absolutely. You guys should absolutely go hang out with Topher. Come on. He's the best. And Liz Tice, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at at Liz Tice, spelled Liz the is. Uh, I post uh, or I tweet every so often. So go and follow me there. Yes, go and follow Liz because she is also the best. We have multiple (laughs) superlatives here. And the final best, Wade Kemper, where can people find you? I was going to submit myself for the worst, but I'll take take one of the best. Uh, So I've decided today, actually, that I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to start up a blog because, hey, I I like gaming. I could have a blog. Doesn't everybody, does everybody have a blog? Um, No, but, but I, uh. I think I might mess around with one. I don't have any definitive I- ideas or details yet. However, uh, you can always email me at my name, Wade Kemper at gmail.com because not only am I going to set that blog up, but I've decided right now that this is an open invite to any listener or you guys. If you ever want to play me in the new Dice Masters D&D game, we could set that up on Skype or Google Hangouts. Uh, digitally or tabletop simulator on Steam, if you've heard of that. Uh, also, because I've got the itch again to play this dungeon command, I bet you that could be worked out too. If you're interested in doing that, uh, just give me an email and we can set things up and uh, work out the details on the side. But I think that would be really cool. Uh, I'm jonesing to uh, play both of those games whenever I can online if need be. So that's that's me. Well, people, if you have a question or topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter at James Intercasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can reach out to any of these three panelists in the ways they have expressed. You may reach out to them. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world that I'm building. It's at worldbuilderblog.me. Okay, everyone, thanks for listening, and thanks to Topher, Liz, and Wade. Many thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.